RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. All right, it's time for our political panel here at Reality Check Radio Friday morning. And I want to welcome this morning to our political panel, Lee Short, Democracy Action Founder based in Auckland. Lee, welcome to our panel. Thank you, Paul. And just to remind everybody, we had a chat not too long ago about uh, the activities of Democracy Action. And now, where were we up to on that? I think you were about to make a video, and I'm just wondering how that has gone and what sort of distribution has taken place. Yes, we've got a video on our website, um, If I Wanted New Zealand to Fail. Um, it's uh, up on there, democracyaction.org.nz. It's had about 18,000 views so far through Facebook and through various other channels. So have a look at it. Um, we uh, we couldn't find anyone to front it because they didn't think they'd ever get any work again in New Zealand. So oh, we dear. use avatars. So um, which uh, the lip sync is just about right. But anyway, um, the avatars come across quite well. I thought it was great technology. AI is going to fix that problem at some point. <laughs> Olivia Pearson, regular panelist. Welcome back, Olivia. Oh, good morning, Paul. Great to be with you again. Thank yeah, great you. to have you as well. And Bob McCroskey, Family First, is another of our panellists this morning. Hi, Bob. Hey, your team. First time on, so I feel like the novice here, so you better show me what to say and what to do. We'll go easy. We'll go gentle. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'm, and I'm going to go to you in just a moment. But first, let's find out about last night's minor parties leaders debate on TV. I'm so disconnected from mainstream media, I don't even know what channel it's on. But hey, Cam Slate has been doing the hard yards for us there. Cam, good morning. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. So how did that go, the minor parties debate? Uh, well, you know, it was a bit of a schmozzle, really. Um the two standout players during the debate were David Seymour and Winston Peters. Um, the uh, the Green Party and Maori Party leaders that they had sandwiched between the two of them um, were treating it kind of like a joke the whole way through and having a big sort of sisterly love-in every time there was a question asked. Oh. The only politicians who asked anything uh, answered anything of any substance were David Seymour and and Winston Peters, and that was despite the best efforts of the of the uh, news hub host Rebecca Wright, interrupting them at every opportunity that she could get. Well, that seemed to be the pattern of play for the leaders' debate too, as the moderator or host interruptions. Yeah, it's like they were they were the main show, and uh, you know, it makes for it makes for an unedifying experience for the viewer to watch the host uh, sitting there uh, making the show about themselves and whether they won or lost a particular point, rather than hearing what the leaders have to say about any any particular uh, item of substance. Um, but, you know, I think um, it, it, it was pretty good for the two of them when they could get a word in each way. Yeah. At one stage there, Rebecca Wright kept interrupting uh, Winston Peters just as he was about to tell her what he would do about that a particular topic. And it, it had three goes at it. And then finally she let him talk and then he explained what he was trying to say, that she was interrupting him, stopping him from saying in the first place. Oh, dear. Was there any chemistry between David Seymour and Winston Peters? What sort of chemistry was there? Well, David Seymour was a bit standoffish. Uh, 
that launched into a rehearsed diatribe about uh, Winston Peters never delivering anything. Um, for Winston Peters' part, he said, "Look, um, you know, happy to teach um, David Seymour how to be a minister. <laughs> um, he could learn it, learn at my feet." It was kind of a little chuckle as he was delivering it. But he also said that you know the the needs of the nation uh, are paramount, and we have to do whatever it takes. And if that means working with David Seymour, then so be it. So. Um, you know, maybe he's learnt from the bad mistake that he made choosing Jacinda Ardern and realises that he really does need to think about the country as a whole. Right. Okay, so for the viewers watching, you know, Mr and Mrs um, Average Battler Kiwi watching, if they were, because uh, we don't know the ratings on that yet, what sort of impression do you think they would have come away with? Similar to yours, do you think? or What do you reckon? Well, I think that they look at the Green Party and to Party Maori and sit there and shake their heads and think this was rather frightening. Uh, the things that they were saying were basically about dispossessing people of their assets. And they were doing it with a gleeful zeal that uh, only psychopaths ever display. Oh um, so, you know, they probably would have seen that, you know, a Labour Green to Party Maori government is going to be one of uh, coercion and one of control um, as opposed to uh, what David Seymour and Winston Peters were offering. So you know, I hope they did see what I saw. Um, but, but, you know, it, it wasn't pleasant watching, but it was something that had to be done anyway. And in the arm wrestle, let's say there is one between ACT and NZ First, uh, who came out... Um, well, on top, whatever, uh, more impressive. Uh, who, who gained more out of that last night, Seymour or Peters? I, uh, I think Seymour delivered uh, some more on-topic uh, act-style, um, you know, lines. Uh, he was particularly strong on opposing the, the racism of co-governance. Uh, Winston was strong on that, but I think, you know, he had fleeting moments of brilliance. Um, and then he kind of looked, in some instances, uh, like like dear old Uncle Winston um, going around in circles. I mean, I really wish he'd stopped going on about uh, what Bill English said to him. No one cares about 2017 anymore. All we care about is getting rid of what... Michael Bassett said on my show last night is the worst government in his memory. All right, Cam Slater, thanks for dropping in this morning and uh, and giving us your thoughts on the minor leaders debate. Appreciate that. No problems, Paul. So in just a moment, we'll get into our political panel. But first, I want to remind everybody that RCR is very serious about our political coverage. And I'm just looking at our political page. That's election hyphen 2023 forward slash after reality check dot radio and um, this page is available from the homepage now of our website and I'm seeing over 200 200 political interviews so far on RCR and we've only been going a short period of time does that impress everybody 200 it very does. very much very so. good yeah and, and the quality uh, of them has been magnificent and it's across the board. There are a few missing. The the main ones, uh, the main parties have been a little difficult to get on. But, you know, um, the numbers are there. We're the hottest selling app in the country now. We're not selling it, but for, for downloading. So numbers are there. 
But uh, so over 200 interviews relating to local, national and international politics, including over 150 concerning the election itself. And I just want to say, in keeping with our philosophy, we've provided information and insight to you, our audience, so that you can weigh your options and make your own educated voting decision this October. And Bob, this is where I want to bring you in. Um, you have made available a video that you've made explaining how to, well, get value from the vote, basically, your vote. So do you want to just talk to that just for a few minutes? Yeah, well, I just thought it was uh, important that we understand exactly how the wasted vote works in practice. Um, people sort of have a basic understanding, but I don't think they... Well, there's a lot of statements that go around that basically there's no such thing as a wasted vote or the wasted vote um, goes to another party. So... I got my uh, graphics um, video guy to basically put together like they do on One News, make it look very formal. Oh, yeah, people Parliament like seating, eh? And uh, yeah. but but it was really, um, in fact, it was Peter Williams that alerted me to the fact of a very um, good example of how wasted vote works, and that was based on the last election where, because Labor got fifty percent of the vote, it's very easy to sort of um, get your head around the mathematics of it to see what happened. And so what we showed was that uh, in 2020, about 8% of the overall vote was wasted. Now, when we say wasted, you could use another term. Wasted is a bit loaded, but that, that's the general term that we used. And it's a party that either doesn't get 5% of the overall vote or doesn't win an electorate. And the classic example in the last election was New Zealand First. They got uh, about 2.6 or 2.7, I think it was. And so therefore, their 2.7% of votes were wasted. They, yep. they didn't count in the final mop-up. And so all the parties that got uh, less than that, uh, New Conservatives uh, and one or two other parties, so that made up 8% of the parliament. And so what our graphic shows, which you can see on our uh, website, is effectively if we didn't have that 5% threshold uh, or that seat condition, what parliament would have looked like based on purely the percentage of the vote. And New Zealand First would have got three seats, New, New Conservative would have got two seats, and Labour would have got uh, 60 seats out of 120 because they got 50% of the vote. But then uh, under the system that we use of MMP, you take out the 8% that didn't get across the finish line. And so you've got 8% of parliament seats that you've got to fill. Who fills those? Well, they don't go looking for parties outside of parliament. No, what they do is they allocate those eight, uh, those 8% 8 of seats, which was about 10 seats, to parties already in parliament. So that was uh, Labour, Greens, uh, Act and National. And so, for example, Labour gets 50% of the vote. They should have got 60 seats, but because... Uh, there was 8% wasted, uh, Labor actually ended up getting 65, I think it was, which actually represents 54% of Parliament. And so, uh, in effect, well, you could indirectly say that Labor benefited from the wasted votes, and they did, but so did National. They got two extra, uh, uh, was it two, three extra seats. Uh, the Greens and Act got an extra seat. Um, but, look, I made it really clear in the presentation that voters need to figure out on what basis they want to vote. And they've really got three options. They can stay home and not vote. And in fact, that's how John Key became Prime Minister, because uh, a large portion of South Auckland decided that they just could not bring themselves to vote for Helen Clark, and so they stayed home. And that's really how John Key um, benefited, because a whole lot of people stayed home. And I actually think 
in the upcoming election, that's going to happen again. Oh, really? A whole yeah. lot of Labour voters are going to stay I home agree. because they, they can't stomach voting for Labour, but they don't want to vote for the alternatives. Um, so, so look, that's one option, stay home. The second option is turn up and vote for the party you believe in because you want to simply send a message that you support the values and the policies of that party, whether they get in or not. Uh, you know, it's a bit like turning up to watch the soccer team that's bottom of the league. You know they're going to get trounced by the top team, but you turn up anyway because you just want to, you know, give them moral support. Uh, and so many people choose to do that, and they will vote for those parties that currently are only polling around 1%, which is most of the minor parties. Yeah. Um, you know, um, New Zealand Loyal, New Zealand Democracy NZ, um, I've missed out a couple, um, uh, oh, Freedoms oh. NZ. Yeah, top. Yeah. And then um, uh, or the third option is that you vote strategically. And if you want the government to stay, current government to stay in power, you turn up and you vote for a left wing party. If you want a change of government, you turn up and you vote for a right wing party, even though it's not your first option. But you just know you want a certain government represented. And unfortunately, your first preference of government isn't the one you vote for because you know it could be wasted. Look, it's one of the reasons I support the Australian system of single transferable vote because a single transferable vote means that you you rate a couple of parties. So if your first party doesn't get in, doesn't get past the wasted vote, then your second vote counts and mm. therefore there would be no such thing as a wasted vote. But yeah, look, it's had, um, I think, about 12,000 views on on uh, various platforms, um, and a lot of people have said, look, it just sort of visually made sense. Doesn't tell them how to vote, um, and people have to come to their own conscience decision on that. Absolutely. Thanks for explaining that, Bob. Okay, let's get into the business of our panel, or the other business. We've got to start with the latest poll. Olivia, do you want to Talk I'll, or I'll speak to the point. poll well, first up. Well, the thing that's quite interesting is the 8% undecided and the 4% refuse, mm. who, who refuse to give an answer. So that's 12% that could be anybody's at this stage. Mm. And as Bob was just saying, if all these people are disenfranchised or feeling disenfranchised, um, that's that twelve percent is actually a wild card. So I, you know, I look forward to where that may land, or even if that uh, gets smaller as we head toward the next three weeks. National is down a bit on thirty-seven percent, and Labor is down a lot on twenty-seven percent. Um, both Green and ACT are up two points on twelve percent. New Zealand First is only registering at five uh, percent, which surprised me a little. I thought they might be a bit more higher than that. Maori are down on 2.9. Um, interestingly enough, New Zealand Loyal made it into polling at 1.2% despite their paperwork debacle with only registering a list of three candidates. Um, can, can I ask, is that is that something that was expected? Have they done better than people were thinking? Well, I, think uh, I know it's, it's not a huge percentage but it's on it's on yeah it's registered it's registered right and yeah. it's registering higher like uh liz has outperformed matt matt king and freedom and rights coalition which of course is the tamakis as well as sue gray um so i think that out of the freedom so-called freedom movement um uh, she seems to be the favoured one um, for people that aren't sending that vote so far or in the polls anyway toward Winston Peters. 
so, yeah, I mean, Matt King is saying he doesn't trust the polling, which I'm not <laughs> surprised because he's on 0.2, which is a shame. He must it, be disappointed because he had oh, high hopes. Oh, right? really, really, really gutting for him. Um, but, you know, I mean, Cam walked him through with those interviews rather well, I thought. Uh, yeah, he hasn't quite sustained the loss of all those candidates from a month or so ago. Right. So he's actually polling behind the Animal Rights Party. So it is a little bit tragic. Okay. Um, nothing's ever certain until election night, of course. But as we uh, were saying on air last week, the freedom movement has no political solution this election. Yeah. There isn't one for us outside of Winston Peters, who will likely meet the 5% threshold and some um, if that's where they're going to put their votes. So, yep, I mean, politics is hard. It's much harder than people ever think it's going to be, as I think the new conservatives have found out over the years before that. Uh, the uh, Christian Heritage Party found that out as well. Um, it's a very difficult game. So there it is. Yeah. Lee, is that how you thought it might be shaking up, as you've just heard it yeah, there? More or less. I think Top was the other party. I mean, quite a few million dollars put into Top and they didn't register. I think that um, uh, Labor will the Labor vote just won't turn out this election. I think that they're going to drop away uh, 25, 23, uh, especially when you see Greg O'Connor uh, putting running up the uh, surrender flag and uh, and and his electorate, and uh, hoping everyone will vote him in because he knows That's he's not going to if I remember rightly, isn't it? Yeah. The other thing is I think that there's going to be Labour going to be decimated because I don't think anyone on their list will get back in at, at current polling. So that means Robertson's gone, Jackson's gone, um, Willow Jean Prime's gone. So heaps of them are just not going to get back in. They'd uh, want to be gone, though, wouldn't they? Well, I would think so because, um, you know, you take uh, Parker and co. I mean, he's not going to want to sit. Usually governments do, do t two terms, and I don't think you're going to see um, some of those veteran Labour people wanting to sit around for um, six to nine years to try and get back into Parliament again at the ages they are. So I think that they'll pull the pin, I would think. But I think that um, the, the actual debate that they had uh, preceding that poll um, I tried to watch it. I got 30 minutes in and then gave it away. Well uh, done. Um, and <laughs> I, I know I thought, what you mean. <clears throat> I mean, I thought I was looking at Labour Light there when I was looking at Luxon. And I, and, uh, of course. So I, it was just incredible. There was no no pizzazz to it. I thought the uh, presenter, um, um, Mackay, I don't think she handled it very well. Um, I think Hosking does a far better job than those guys have done in the past. Um, uh, I mean, he wouldn't let them get away with the questions, uh, with the answers to the questions that were put. So uh, I thought it was very poor. I couldn't even do it. So at yeah. least you went 30 minutes. Well done. Okay. <laughs> um, Bob, the yeah. um, ACT and the Greens picked up a percent or two. ACT were trending down before that. Where do you think that's come from, those, those, those percentage points? Is that a cannibalized uh, if you look from someone else? Uh, well, if you look at the Green Party over the last three months, basically they've gone 10, 12, 10, 12, and ACT have gone 12, 13, 10, 12. So they're, they're sort of, about. yeah, I would say if you're a betting person, the Green and ACT will get around 11. Look, I, there was two things that stood out to me. The first thing is that uh, Labor, they are down to 27% and have been trending downwards. 
When you think about that, that basically means that one in every two voters for Labour at the last election have bailed the party. Wow. That's an amazing fall off uh, when you think about it. Uh, whereas National is sort of just they're holding around 37% consistently. I mean, this is just one poll of many. I think the Roy Morgan poll, they argue, was the most accurate at the last election. But they all are all pretty uh, consistent. But the other interesting trend is that, so they, they basically have polled, this variant poll has been January, March, May, July, August, September, September. So they're getting more excited as they get closer to the election. But New Zealand first in January, at the end of January, they were polling at 2.3 and then up to 3.1. But they've just slowly inched their way up until basically this month, both the polls at 5%. Last time I had David Seymour on here, he called Winston a silly little man or something. So... Well, uh, we've we've done an interview for him for our show on Monday night. He's called me a liar and unchristian, and uh, uh, yes, uh, yes, interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, I just wonder if uh, Winston will will bring that up. Oh, uh, he will, he'll bring it out. <laughs> I think Winston though will will actually poll better. Yeah. At the election than he's currently showing. Traditionally, he gets a few more percentage than he shows. So, I think he I think he could get in there with seven percent, maybe six and a bit. Yeah. What what I know this is a sensitive question, but but I mean it's completely rational to ask it or to ask you, your opinion of it. So those freedom parties, at some point, the the people supporting them now will realise that uh, apart from sending, you know, the signal that you um, a protest signal or something like that you said before, Bob. Okay, there's that, but th- there comes a realisation that if you want to do something that actually you know, has some bite, you might have to, you know, swallow a, a dead rat or whatever and go with, I don't know, the the, the least worst option. Mm-hmm. There's, what, 8% sitting there? Well, if you want change, you have to you have to turn up and do something if you want change, and I think yeah. that's what will spur people. But that's available. That, that's kicking around is the point I'm making, that, that percentage of vote that someone could end up claiming. Well, interesting to see the... Uh... Poll numbers also that have just come out on preferred prime minister. Um, did you see those ones as well? Remind us. Well, so I've got it actually here in front of me. Uh, preferred prime minister, Chris Hipkins, 23, Luxon, 23, David Seymour, five, shudder. Winston Peters is on four. Chloe is on two. Nicola Willett. Nicola Willis is two, and Jacinda Ardern is on 1%. Wow, How is God. that? So that uh, that's interesting because I've, I've, I've always thought that G- uh, Jacinda was a media creation, and that's <laughs> very interesting now how she's sitting on 1% um, without the media pushing her every day, 600 times a day. So, but, Well, that's the um, margin of error, basically. Isn't it? Yeah, and and also, um, great uh, gr- greens. James Shaw is also on one percent. So, but anyway, I mean, uh, they're a little bit irrelevant. Those preferred prime minister ratings, I think. But um, interesting that uh, the two Chris's, Chrissy and Christina, are both on twenty seven percent for that one. Yeah, I think the big one is the direction of the country's going in. I think that's the one mm. that. Um, really has uh, impacted on this election. 
I think it's 56% believe we're going in the wrong direction now, something like that, isn't it? And wow. So um, I think that's that's a signal that there's definitely going to be change. I haven't, I've never worked in a political party, never worked in politics. For the Labour Party right now, there's a lot who are going to lose their jobs potentially. Mm. What do you think? What do you think it'll be like inside that party right now? Are they at each other? Is that what happens? It's interesting. I was at a function last week and I caught up with a few national MPs and uh, who were present there also. And I said to them, gee, it must be lovely campaigning in this uh, this election season compared to three years ago. Uh, it was a nodding of the head because remember last time they were staring down the barrel. I mean, they, you know, they you could just see it was all loserville for the for the National Party MP. So, um, yeah, it, it must be really tough. I think, um, Paul, that... Um, when an MP gets voted out, uh, the taxpayer actually pays for a couple of months of free counselling. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. <laughs> um, because uh, it is, it's just a change. Suddenly you're in a position of power and everybody looks up to you and then next minute you're a nothing just like that. And it's um, irrelevant. It's, yeah. Look, the um, the other thing, um, Lee, you, re you referred to it just in terms of the direction of the country. The other um, polling that I know that politicians look at is the Ipsos poll which is, I know it's an online poll, so it's not fully reliable. Uh, you know, you sort of get um, incentives to be uh, as part of the poll, but it does show interesting trends. And of course, it's the one which shows that the top issues are inflation, crime, housing, healthcare, and the economy. Uh, and then you've got stuff like climate change, petrol prices is a new one, poverty, education, and taxation. But what they also ask in the question is which party is um, can deal with this issue the best. And in the top 10 issues, National have got eight of the nods. Um, the Greens have got the nod for climate change, fixing climate change, and Labor's got the nod for poverty and equality. But the other eight are all National. Now, that's a, that's a, if you're a Labor um, member, that's a really disturbing sign that people think that Labor, that National are the best for solving the problems that we have at the moment. Mm. Um, one thing that, that um, I believe that uh, debate showed up, and I think, Lee, you alluded to it. I didn't watch it, but I've heard, you know, I've talked to people who did and got their opinions of it. Um, and it seemed like it was just like the Uniparty. It was really <laughs> the same guy. Just Sh you know, Should we slightly... go straight to that one then, Paul? Well, well let's talk about that because yeah. um, there, there's no obvious difference really though i've seen people saying oh luxon won that clearly well i don't well, know he, what they he, he's they a better debater at. but i mean it's not narcissism. But, but they both agreed on main things there was no kind of point of difference no it was a reach around as Lindsay pointed out on air i thought he was rather brilliant but i mean it, for me it was very hard i did suffer through it and watched it but it's very hard for me to take such silly small talk with any seriousness that New Zealand uh, politics has come to such banality shows how much uh, we need a great change. I mean, where are the statesmen of this country? Where the flipping heck are they? I can't shake the feeling that I was listening to two men who have never quite, quite grown up properly and not mentally developed that um, ability to talk about real Tell us how you nation really feel, surviving, Olivia. nation surviving. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll try. Um, you know, we need to talk about nation surviving issues with a depth and intelligence that such uh, issues actually deserve. Um, at one point, I even heard Chris Hipkins say, 
I've already banned fizzy drinks from schools. You know, exhibit A. This is this is the level of banality that debates. Well, he was making it up to. for a start because it wasn't true, right? Well, it's from high schools or something. But I mean, oh, who cares? Good. I mean, mm-hmm. um, not able to call out. Here's the big thing: not able to call out apartheid on principle. Two systems of governance and justice along racial lines. Luxon said his party's view was that co-governance should be bound to the management of local natural resources and shouldn't extend to national public services like health. They just kept arguing along the lines of pragmatics um, without Luxon even being able to say, look, whelp. That's just wrong in principle, and we're not going to change this nation's democratic form into a system of institutionalized racial segregation, the latter being the very definition of the term apartheid. Luxon was going, what we don't need is two systems creating two separate bureaucracies, like the Maori Health Authority, for example. I want to be able to deliver those those services through Maori Health Organization, blah, blah. Uh, So Luxon just kept arguing the moral neutral uh, morally neutral pragmatics of it, which are only perceptual. It's perceptual awareness instead of smacking down the whole idea of it from top to bottom from conceptual reasoning. Human beings do not exist at this guinea pig level perceptual consciousness. Our value judgments and our principles are conceptual in nature. And so it needs to be reasoned from there, but never is. Um, It's very important for people to get this difference. I keep going on about it, but we don't walk around, as an example, we don't walk around anymore needing to point out that slavery is wrong, do we? Hmm. We know conceptually and on principle that it's wrong. If we heard two politicians talking about a new slavery health authority's power and responsibilities, we wouldn't focus our attention on whether it would be, you know, for slaves in the North Island or slaves on Stewart Island. You know, we would go, oi, slavery is repulsive as a concept, and I actually condemn story. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We don't need to argue the detail of how the damn slave authority runs, nor its budget practices, nor whether it's fiscally conceivable or Run it at a local level. Yeah, we would shout from the rooftops that it's evil to own another human yeah. being. Well, the same thing applies here to a. Well, why doesn't this happen? Why doesn't this happen, Lee? Why doesn't? Why aren't people? Why this banality? That well, I Lee think that the out? only person who's strong on this point is Seymour, and he's quite uh, clear on what he will do and won't do with this racial issue. And I think that's where a lot of the vote has gone to because people want change. They don't want the divisiveness, which is in society at the moment. They want it fixed. And I would say that Luxon is just thinking, look, if I don't put my foot in my mouth here, I'm going to be prime minister. So I won't say much. Mm -hmm. I'll just uh, let things coast along and I'm going to get there anyway. I'm too scared of uh, coming out with something definitive about me or what I believe in. But arguing things from a principled conceptual level has been missing in our political system for a long, long time. Do you yes, know what I mean? It's it's everything's this pragmatic, concrete bound, guinea pig level perceptual skills. I just this is what makes people go, oh, I'm done. And I think um uh, Christopher Luxon had only one thing he had to do on that debate was basically not put his foot in it, not commit some egregious error, you know, get something totally wrong or accidentally say you should vote for Labour. Uh, He just basically had to get a draw and come across as prime ministerial because really he is 
if if you look at the polls and generally the trend, he is walking towards uh, the ninth floor of the Beehive and sleepwalking. Yeah, well, almost. Uh, and look, Labor are trying to throw everything they can at him, which seems to be backfiring. Uh, and the unions don't help by with their toxic interview with their toxic uh, full page advertisements. So. Uh, he he all he had to do was turn up and basically act prime ministerial and he did that and I think the, when the next poll comes out you'll see another uh, jump for national. Remember that the Ipsos uh, the uh, uh, Varian poll that came out for TV One uh, on Tuesday night that was the night after the debate so that wouldn't have picked up the response to the debate. So I think you'll see a a jump now. What you what will be interesting to watch is. Where does National get that extra bump from? Do they take it from ACT voters? Because ACT has been slipping a little bit just because there's been a bit of mud around their candidates and hmm. uh, some of those issues. Or will they take it from Winston? Uh, you know, so it's it's that vote swapping between... It'd be ACT, uh, wouldn't it? They're the ones to lose there, surely. Yeah, I think so. Uh, um, New Zealand First seem to be garnering back uh, their traditional voters that maybe voted for Labour in 2020, maybe some from New Zealand first. And, of course, as you said, uh, people have got this interesting dilemma of uh, do they vote on principle, uh, even if their vote doesn't count in the ultimate makeup of Parliament, or do they vote strategically to get the change of government if that's what they want or get some freedom representation in Parliament. Um, so, you know, that's a million-dollar question. None of us are going to tell them what to do, but that's the decision that people have to come to because there is a trade-off. In that debate, how could Luxon have put his foot in it, really? I mean, what would have taken him out? Uh, it would have been a fundamental admission of uh, the fact that actually he can't afford the tax cuts or that he... He, he got something completely wrong. It's pretty hard to totally destroy yourself in a debate, but if you make a couple of fun, you know, if you come across, look, if you put uh, President Biden up there um, and if he'd, you know, if, if Luxon had spoken like Biden, then people would say, well, hang on, has he got all the goods to be our prime minister? I mean, he would have but, said, I need to go to bed now, which yeah, is what Biden the, said. Yeah, and just walk off stage. But Luxon came across, he, he argued well, he presents well, um, I think he sounds he sounds good, uh, and so therefore um, that's all he, he needs to do, right? Yeah, it's, that's all he needs to do. But because he didn't unfortunately, challenge. He didn't challenge Bob. He didn't. No. He, he didn't challenge the other Chris on yeah. anything with a degree of either passion, uh, intelligence, or principle. No. You know, uh, the, you know, the, the 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 they are talking about institutionalized racism. That's what co-governance is. Um, and that he can't say that that's wrong on principle must be a great concern to national voters. Is that what um, their if, focus group And had he done polling? that, had he done that, had he been able to formulate that argument, which is an obvious one, he would have soared. In the polls, I mean, he would have soared. He must think he's appealing to someone. There must be some data here. Well, has. it means they're behind it. That's what it means. It, be, it means that they love co-governance as much oh, okay. as Labor do. That's oh. what I think. Any anything more to say about that uh, debate? Well, I can anyway. say more. No, I know. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm sure you could. We could do the whole silly question, Paul. The whole program. I just want to say, it's my I'll, cue I'll, to move on. All right. <laughs> I'll leave it. I'll leave it at this. That what we're watching here is anti. 
um, the you know the idea of one people, one country, one sovereign people under the crown's laws. It is unkiwi. Okay, all right. The news this week: we launched our app, and we're already the number one entertainment news downloadable app in New Zealand. Mm. Pretty cool. Okay, well thank you. Um, if I had some applause sound effects, I'd be playing it right now. <laughs> Here we go. On the other hand, TVNZ planning significant cuts in response to commercial clients' reduced spending on advertising. They Mainstream media is starting – we're starting to see the business model slip now. I think NZME had a very low profit of $2 million. Um, the, uh, the Disney people who own TV3 now are tens of millions in the hole – they're calling for a break from government on transmission uh, costs, etc. So I guess what I'm alluding to is that we're starting to see that shift. Lee, you're Auckland-based. Um, that's where TVNZ is. Uh, <laughs> it seems that uh, the value of advertising on TV is perceived to be less than it was. It's going to other places. And like I say, uh, new media like us, we're starting to make our mark. What do you make of all of this? Well, it's either eyeballs, but in your case, uh, eardrums because people are just not watching or listening. And uh, the content in TVNZ is um, is shocking. Um, there's not much to watch on there. The only thing that I'll watch on there is the sports news. And then I'll flick off somewhere else and go streaming somewhere or, or something like that. Or, or dare I say, I'll go and watch the news from Australia on um, uh, Channel 85. Um, do, you look, do you like your sports news delivered to you by women? I don't mind. As long as they're competent. <laughs> they don't know their sports, though, do they? Really? they just read the auto cue. That's how it works. As, as long as it's only biological females and the females team, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's right. That's dead right. That's dead right. <laughs> but I think it's just content. Um, yeah. TVNZ have just lost uh, content and uh, people have lost um, a habit of watching them. And uh, the, there's so many other alternatives to watch. As, do you as think you this is know. a spiral that is now unstoppable? downward yes. spiral for them yes yes i think it is bob what do you reckon well the problem is that uh they've they've basically lost credibility and trust um you know trust in media is at an all-time low and uh, unfortunately it's been well deserved i mean uh one thing you got to give uh donald trump credit for was that he called out the media for fake news one thing he- and the and the, you know, one you know one thing that you could but there's many but one thing that uh, he, he gets credit for but the, the interesting thing is that the media in response didn't try to prove him wrong what they did was they proved him right because they all developed Trump derangement syndrome syndrome um Paul there was actually an interesting article in the left wing spinoff today entitled New Zealand media is in a major slump will a national act government make it worse. Uh, and this, I you may not this, fund it. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, this is. Let me read you this quote. It says this: "One unexpected bright spot in recent years? Question mark. The government has become a much more active ad buyer. The only thing that has kept the market in growth is government spending. Right. So not only have they had the slush fund, but they've also had the government spending millions and millions of dollars." telling people to get vaxxed and wear mandates and and every other, you know, don't talk to your neighbour and all that type of stuff. Uh, and that's really how our media has survived. Now, as Lee alluded to, when a business model is failing, you've got to basically ask yourself, um, should the business just close up? Because obviously, but the interesting thing is that when we offer them money to 
print an ad that says, what is a woman? Let's discuss it. They don't want our money. So go figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really strong ideologies in there. We've tried to run ads as well. We've tried to get things printed. Um, they just don't, not interested in it. So uh, they just lose their audience over time because they're not actually uh, playing both sides. They're just putting out on one side, one ideology all the time. It's um was it your ad that they turned down? The um, there were, the Free Speech Union said that um, there was an ad just turned down this week um, by a group where the oh, that was, uh, blocked it. I think that was Stop Co-Governance, so Julian Bachelor's. Oh, yes, it was. The, uh, That's group. right. Yeah, yeah they, they came back with a whole lot of legal points, and, including uh, how to spell Maori correctly with a little uh, part over the top of the A yeah. and all that sort yeah. of thing. Macro. So um, they... Yeah, so they are real hypocrites, really. Um, Ooh, and, absolutely. Uh, You'll be interested to know. Just mentioning Julian Bachelor, I had a call from a friend of mine in Brisbane, and we did an interview with Julian for RCR on the the morning program not too long ago. It was a month or maybe more ago. That is being distributed now. That interview by the tens of thousands in Australia in the lead up to the Voice. Yeah. Oh, great! It's really good. Yeah. yeah. So. Things do travel. Mm. Okay, so if that business is going down, it's a state business, so we all have an interest in it. And there's Radio New Zealand. Last survey lost nearly 50,000 more listeners. Since I left, they've lost 120,000. Bad move letting me go. That's why. Yeah, no, there's bound to be a link. But Mm. you have to to make a decision at some point. Um, You can't keep pumping the money, you know, good money after bad. By the way, the spend... Jody Brunning told me she did some research into it. The spend out of the Prime Minister's office, who controlled the budget for COVID, was 180 million. Wow. Think about that. 180 million. That was just on that. Anyway, so yeah. do you think do you think, you know, it's time to think about winding these these um institutions up, given that the private sector is swooping in right now? Yeah, I would just add a qualifier to that, Paul, in that uh, Radio New Zealand has lost, um, yeah, 100,000 listeners. But interestingly enough, uh, News Talk ZB and Mike Hosking has gained uh, a similar amount. So what it actually shows is that uh, when NZME actually does it right and actually gives some balance and actually hears both voices, they can actually get a business model that works right. Uh, it's a pity that the Herald, which is part of NZME, doesn't observe how good News Talk ZB is doing. I mean, I've tried to get advertising on News Talk ZB for the election. You can barely buy ads because they are just so crammed. Because, right. yep. Yeah, and and the fact of the matter is, like RCR, they're allowing, um, you know, nuanced debate. They're allowing both sides. Sure, sure, Mike Hosking gives them a hard time, but at the same time, it's 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 showing that that's what people want. They want to hear both sides and not be lectured on what they should think by wokeness, which is what Radio New Zealand just reeks of. So, yeah, I would say that's why people are dropping away. Maybe that's why Kim Hill's re- retiring as well. She's following yeah. you, Paul. Yeah, well, <laughs> they'll probably gain listeners from that, though. <laughs> yeah. The other way around. Um, I'm just joking. Okay, let's um, talk about uh, the aftermath of River of Freedom, because I had Stephen Franks on, mm. <clears throat> and, you know, it clearly had an effect on him. The, the thing I was surprised about talking with Stephen, and I respect Stephen, and I've known him for a while, is that he didn't give it too much thought beforehand. All right? mm. But afterwards, it's like, wow, i got to write something down. Mm. Seymour, I think, was on the platform 
defending his treatment of the protesters. Either he hasn't seen the movie or if he did, it didn't move him or he's in a stuck position he can't get out of. Are there any comments that any of you would like to make about what you've heard from people post them seeing that movie? Well, everybody loves it. I mean, they, they I haven't heard anybody go to that movie and not love it and be moved by it and also be angry at the government response. That's consistent. Um, Seymour, Seymour's interview, I thought, was a bit of a train wreck with um, Sean Plunkett because... Uh, you, you know, he's just he's just refusing to actually look and be able to say, "Look, I was wrong about that." Mm. Uh, he he had he was egregiously wrong, profoundly wrong about the whole thing. But you, you know, one of the things that David kept saying was, you know, the protesters wouldn't meet our conditions, our conditions, our conditions, our conditions. And when pressed, you know, those conditions were no threats, uh, no business closures in the area, and no harassing passers-by. But you know. Uh, um, they want businesses to clearly operate. Well, well, so did we, but we got lockdowns. You know, I mean, this kit was part of a government that gave us multiple lockdowns. One of them was four months long without any out outcry on, on his part. Um, they didn't give a flying feck whether businesses lived or died. And many businesses did die, and some are still dying from that. Um, so then this is, of course, what brought people down to the pro protest in the first place, was that they were deeply aggrieved. Um, and as for the credible threats that Seymour keeps going on about, you know, documented plans. Yes, they were shown, weren't they, plans? Oh, yeah. You reckon? Oh, really? bollocks. No. But, I mean, he kept bleating. He's always said, you know, we've joked about it before, Paul, about, you know, he goes, oh, there were nooses, nooses. Yeah. You know, to put around nurses. There. No, nurses <laughs> Don't or do nurses. that again. We'll get them confused. Nooses. But, but. There was a the nurse thing. hanging from a tree. <laughs> Sorry, a noose. Yeah. Um, a noose. But here's the thing. The book of the book of Job in the Old Testament, I don't know how many of you this will be relevant to, but I know, you know, in our listenership, it will be. There's a there's a verse where it says, do you think that you can reprove words when the speech of a despairing man is for the wind? Meaning. When people are in despair, their words vented from that despair are not worth reproving. And the point is, let's not spend our time and energy uh, reproving such words because they'll be blown away of themselves on the wind. Um, what can't be blown away is, you know, the actions of tyranny without being acknowledged because they created such despair amongst our people and that's why you saw them all arrive down in parliament to protest you don't get to injure and maim people you don't get to mandate and and coerce injections and then mock them you know when they make a stand for their own bodily autonomy you just don't get to do that without fighting words being you know part of that pushback um to say nothing of the smashed livelihoods. So, you know, if David really thought he was about to be Ceausescu'd, you know, like the tyrant of Romania, then perhaps he should openly show some blimmin' remorse for his tyrannical actions well, well, while does, he was in government. It does make you wonder what sort of briefing then that they were given, you know, that if it scared him so much. Well, he hid behind Jacinda's frumpy old dress uh, skirts, didn't he? That's what he did. 
They all did. They. I, I don't think it was not well-reasoned. It would have been, again, this level of uh, approaching everything at guinea pig level perceptual awareness of the pragmatics, not, man, these people must be gutted. Why are they here? Let's address that. No, it was about the parking and about business closures when we know they don't care about business closures or we wouldn't have gotten lockdowns. You know, they, they, everything's taken down to this very dumbed down. Lee, level. have you seen the movie? No, no. I, haven't. I haven't. Do you think you'll... Yeah, I'll look, I've written look. it down, so I'll go and have a look at it. But my yeah. experience with COVID has been, it's interesting, um, involved with a company that's in Australia and New Zealand, both about the same size, and uh, Australia didn't shut down. But uh, the Australian company just went through COVID, and the New Zealand company shut for six weeks, and then um, had about another couple of months of um, level three, and Australia just uh, just kept going, you know, and uh, I think that was the lesson for me from there is that we overreacted and uh, with the mandates, the business shutdowns and that sort of thing, and it still impacted in Australia, of course. Hmm. But my yeah, goodness. Yeah, to be major... fair, they, they overreacted too. Yeah. and you know, uh, Especially Sydney and Melbourne. Yes, and I think um, the big lesson from that was the mandates because you'd have to give them um, some, some area of... Um, uh, of doing things right because when when it first happened, nobody knew who was going to die and who wasn't. I mean, it was all new stuff. So the first probably six months or so, no one really knew what the impact was. No one knew what we were dealing with. But after that, uh, I think they just lost the plot. Yeah. Well, even before then, though, Lee, that you know, there was no reason to shut down any single Western democracy. We don't do that. But they didn't do it during the Blitz in the war. You know, when they were being bombed. To, they, to be they, fair, though, to be fair, this was a pandemic, and no one really knew what was happening there. And there were plenty of people dying overseas. I mean, we had we had a lot of supplies out of Italy, out of Bergamo. I mean, that 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 town was decimated, and so I think it's a bit different than comparing it to the Blitz. Um, but anyway, you either have um, a principle. You either have a principle or you don't. You don't You don't lock down and shut down businesses in Western countries. You don't do that. Well, I, I'd counter that by saying no one really knew what the effect was and they, they did the best they could at the time not knowing what they were dealing with. But then all they have to do is bullshit us in the future and say, <laughs> we don't know anything, no one knows, and then bang, they've got their fascism at their fingertips. I think you're very charitable, Lee. Very charitable. What about I th you, I, th I, th I think Lee's... Uh, uh, no, I'm on... Uh, no, I haven't actually seen the movie, but I want to actually. I look to see where it is in Auckland, and unfortunately it's only at one particular theatre, so you've got a battle against the car park of the uh, motorway to get to it, so uh, I might have to go on holiday somewhere where they've got more showings, but anyway, uh, I, will be, I will be definitely seeing it. But look, I, I understand where Lee's coming from. I think at the start of the pandemic there was a lot of uncertainty, there was a lot of deaths happening overseas, uh, I, I'm willing to give them some grace and benefit of the doubt for that first part. But then I join with the rest of you that, um, look, I think there was a, a ignorance of of the evidence that was coming through. There was a, a um, basically um, locking down on their own viewpoint. I mean, we campaigned hard for rapid antigen tests to be used as an alternative to get around the mandates issue. Uh, they just would not consider that. And yet now it's the, well, you know, in the final part, it was the standard for testing. So suddenly it changed their view. But I think the thing that gets me about all of this is that 
And it's what annoys me about what David Seymour is saying, but it's also what annoyed me about what Chris Hipkins said about the fact that nobody was mandated to to be vaxxed, despite the clear evidence that people were. And it's this um, inability for politicians to say, I just wish they'd be honest and say, as Lee said, look, we didn't know what we were dealing with in the first six to nine months. Give us a break. We were all feeling our way. But let's review what we did after that and let's see if we got it right because heaven help us if it happens again, but we don't want to divide the country like we did. Why can't they just be honest? Why can't Chris Hipkins say, yeah, we did mandate some people because we felt it was the best thing to do at the time. Um, let's have an inquiry. It's it's that lack of um, ability to just say, hey, look, I'm happy to have my decisions tested so that we get it perfectly right next time. And for some reason, politicians are just not good at admitting that they may have got something wrong. I mean, look, this week, you know, Chris Hipkins comes out and admits that he got a fact wrong about banning fizzy drinks in school. And it's lead story <laughs> because a politician actually yeah. mit- admitted that they oh, wow. made a mistake. So, yeah. I, it, yeah, But it's such a lightweight thing to admit. What well, we're talking yeah. about is life and but, freaking but, but death. See, exactly. This is, this is the point I want to make. You gave them, I don't mean you personally, I mean because we all obeyed, because everybody obeyed and reasonable-minded people like Lee would have gone, well, we don't know what we're dealing with, so let's be practical. Um, We'll go along with the first lockdown and just see. Because we gave that concession, we got the rest. Do you see? You had a thought from the beginning on... No, you don't shut our countries down. I mean, come on. Your parents didn't do it. Your great-grandparents didn't do it. You, We've never seen something so absurd. Well, no, that's or- not actually true, Olivia, because um, back in the, was it 50s or 60s, there was a polio epidemic. And, in fact, my father-in-law, uh, his family was locked down because one of their family members got polio. And, um, that's my wife's That's called quarantining the sick, Bob. Correct. Yeah, correct. Quarantining the sick. That's quite yes. different. Not and the that's, healthy. Th- this It'll be was... interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see how this Royal Commission turns out, um, <laughs> which won't be, I think, reporting <laughs> until next year sometime. So I think that will be a bit of a... Could yeah, well but none of the crucial questions are included in the terms of reference as they stand at the moment. And you haven't got Kate Hanna on the panel, have you? No, no. This, this panel, that'd be we've good. We've resisted that terrible urge. <laughs> all See, right. it all depends on who's on the panel and the terms of reference as to whether it's going to be worth the paper. Well, the, obvious, on. the obvious ones are not there. I've looked at the terms. They're not there, I can tell yeah. you. You should have me on with Kate Hanna, Paul. That'd that be would be okay. interesting. Now, just to to round out, I want to get because uh, there's been some. You mentioned it before, Bob. That um, that hit ad that the unions did on <clears throat> uh, on yeah. Luxon. There's been quite a bit of um, political advertising going around. I've seen Winston's um, "If" poem and him on the horse with the hat. I've seen you know all sorts of things around. How do you think? How would you uh, rate the advertising you've seen? Um, well, I'm a little bit like Lee that my blood pressure goes up when I watch the news, so I I just can't really watch. So I don't see a lot of these ads. Um, right. But, but I I was really annoyed at the um, what TVNZ had done with their vote compass, where they you know they encourage everybody to sort of put their data in of what they believe and then recommend which party they're closest to. Uh, and what fascinated me was that they didn't include 
all the parties, but for some reason they included top the opportunity. I noticed that. Right. Yeah, yeah, Ralph which, Ralph, Ralph would have been pleased with that. Well, of course he would have been, but the interesting thing was that uh, in the um, August poll, Freedoms NZ were actually polling higher than top. And uh, in fact, um, you could argue that New Zealand Loyal is actually polling higher than top. I think they were in the last one, weren't so they? So why were they there? Well, that, that's exactly, that's the million dollar question because of the fact that they're possibly a, a left-leaning party. Are, and Are they the acceptable micro party, are they? Well, the thing is that they've included all the parties likely to get back in, which are the current ones that are in. So you got the, you know, you got National Labour Greens Act and Party Māori, and then they're including New Zealand First correctly, in my view, because they are polling around the five percent they are likely to get back in. But then all the other parties, mm-hmm. there's clear air between all of them, and there's about eight to ten of them. And for some reason, uh, One News has picked out top to give them. And and uh, look, this is a funny bit. I don't know if you saw it. I actually did a McBlog on it. But when they were promoting it on One News, uh, they did a screenshot of the academic from, uh, was it Canterbury University, who had actually obviously completed it or was doing a dummy test run, and it gave the list of, which parties their views aligned with, and guess one, which was at the top. It was top. There you go. (laughs) It was the most subliminal advertising you have ever seen. And he's a local identity too, Raph, isn't he? He's a former Christchurch city councillor. Yeah, Yeah, but nothing to see here, team, nothing to see here. (laughs) Well, I mean, one thing's a coincidence, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, But when you get the the two, hmm. Yeah. Okay, Lee, your impressions of what you've seen. You might not have seen too much, but w- w- what have you seen and, and what of stood the out? Ads, of the ads. Yeah, of the ads, of the marketing, of the messaging. Well, there's some billboards which have come out uh, this week, which uh, you probably haven't seen yet, but they're, they're out on the uh, on the sites, which is uh, quite interesting. So you should look out for some of those. <clears throat> um, I think that... Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a hell of a lot of money in those... Um, parties at the moment, especially National and ACT. I think they've got some big war chests there, so I'm expecting a whole lot more spending to happen over the next uh, few weeks, especially in in, in social media and yeah. also on the on the, um, the national media. So I think they've, they've delayed it and they're going to give it a huge burst. So we're going to get swamped, I think, in the next uh, few weeks with, with that money because you're talking millions of dollars in those. Yeah, they can't spend that on TV, can they? Because that's been allocated to them. So... All that extra money will go to media other than TV, what, and radio? I don't know how if it extends to radio. Radio and social media, I would say. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. great. Okay. And Olivia, anything that? Uh, oh, not really. I mean, I, I don't actually, unless an ad comes You can't help on. it when you're walking down the street, you see these things. I, I saw the someone was doing very Twitter. creative street art with some of the... Um, the billboards, you know. Oh, when you drive up. north, they've got all these really sophisticated posters that have been printed. They're not drawn on. And it says ruin it for you instead of in it for you. Yeah, yeah was I that a sensible a yeah, liner to use? That. Because that could be memed out of existence, that in it for you. It, it can be, but these are actually big billboards, Paul, all the way on the northern highway going up north. Right. Um, and they, it, it hasn't been added. It's been printed and put up. Oh, okay. So... Oh. So it's a it's it. a counter, yeah. It's, it's it's so it looks really professional, and it says "ruin it for you." <laughs> Anybody in marketing will always tell you never do a logo that starts with a vowel because someone will come along and put a consonant in front of it and change the whole it meaning of the word. Change the meaning. They just were just like asking that. for trouble. Oh, weren't they just? <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, I think we've come to the end of our political panel chat here at RCR for this Friday morning. I want to thank Lee Short. Thank you, Lee, for coming in. I hope it was a good experience for you. (laughs) Yeah, very good. Uh, Bob, good to have you. Well, good. Thank Thank you. I hope I passed the test. Oh, yeah. 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 We'll send you the uh, the audition uh, thank you. feedback thank you. form. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Olivia Pearson, thank you, Olivia, for being on the panel again. And we'll do it all again this time next week at RCR. Thanks, You're very guys. welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. See you. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.